0: Spooky. Hello, spooky ghouls. Spooky ghouls, welcome to the haunted welcome. show. <laughs> I hold on, this was two girls, one ghost. <laughs> So next Encounters episode, we need to have you pick out a theme for the encounters. Yes. since we didn't this time, but that should be the thing because your birthday's coming up. However, I have a request for the one after, and I think Ooh. the theme should be emails from listeners where our podcast has somehow haunted them or influenced their activity oh, in time. Oh, I way. love that. I love that. Because I think it's been coming up a bunch. Like you even sent me a screenshot from... From yes, someone,
1: from Someone on our Facebook page started another thread of it. And I not only sent you a screenshot, I then tagged you in it and said, this is better than TikTok. Because it is. <laughs> it is like wild how many people have had experiences just listening to our podcast.
0: Yeah. And it's consistent that it's only ours, which is so weird. Yeah. Because so many people, when you like something, usually it extends to the genre. Like, right. I won't pretend to think that Sabrina and I are the only paranormal podcast that our listeners <laughs> listen to. We're not. We're not. People are cheating on us. <laughs> so the fact that so many people are saying it only happens with your podcast. It only happens yeah. with you. Something's going on. There's something in the air and Perhaps we're very powerful and we just don't know. And there's some electrical ooh, current coming our from our bodies, energy. connecting wish, with others I wish there. that were the case, but um, I
1: feel like I can confidently say it's not us. It's probably our ghost. Yeah, we're just two ordinary girls with no special talents here
0: to <laughs> tell you some ghost stories.
1: But that's a good call to action. Now that you know we are going to do that in a couple of weeks, so it's probably a month from now, Mm -hmm. please send us emails of any weird happenings that have happened to you while listening to our podcast because we would love to include them.
0: Yeah, make sure the subject line indicates such so that we can find your email easily. Yes, please, please,
1: please, please.
0: In the meantime,
1: we have great spooky ghost stories to tell you because this is an encounters episode and that's what we do. You are first this time.
0: Corinne. Am I? I had a feeling. <laughs> I thought that I told you to go first pretty much every time. You have recently. So now it's my turn. Now it's your okay. turn. All right. This is from Sam. It's called The Time I Almost Became a Missing 411 Case. Oh, what? Hi, ladies, Leia and Ghost. My name is Sam, and I'm a new listener, and all I can say is that your content has been getting me through the absolute slog of practicum. <laughs> I listened to your Missing 411 episode, and when you mentioned that many cases were children, my brain immediately went back to this experience that I've had. This story takes place back when I was 11 years old. We lived in a small rural community. We had neighbors, but oftentimes we were separated by dense forest. We have the occasional cougar warning, but our family was the type to give us bear spears and our dogs and send us on our way. I was coming home from school and I decided that instead of coming inside, I would play with our dogs Lily and Baby Dog. Baby Dog. <laughs> baby Dog. I can't. Everything was going well. Dogs were having fun, I was feeling good, and then the air changed to this thick tense atmosphere, like a predator staring down its prey. The dogs felt it too. They stopped playing altogether and began to point to the trees close by. It wasn't until they started growling and barking that I knew something was wrong. I turned to look, trying to see what they were seeing. This tall humanoid (gasps) figure ran through the woods. It moved so quickly that I hardly had time to process what I was seeing, but the thing was upright and it was not a cougar. It was not a bear and it sure as hell was not a person. I sprinted inside the house, and my father looks at me and says, what's the matter, Sam? You look like a bat flew out of hell. Thanks, Dad. I've told this story to my family. My brother has tried being logical, saying my brain was just making something up. My dad's convinced it was Sasquatch. (laughs) But regardless, I've thought of how children typically go missing in the woods without a trace, and I wonder what this thing wanted. Eek! I have so many other stories, like my dad growing up, in a haunted house, my shadow people experience and my hatman experience. And I'll have to write those in another day. Thank you for making my days go quickly and keeping me sane in my little cubicle, Sam. I truly pictured that like a scene out of a movie, just like
1: Sam playing with the dogs. Also, baby dog is my favorite. Baby dog. Cutest name ever. Sam playing with her dogs outside, and then all of a sudden – I imagine it's like fall. It's like kind of crisp, but like warm still. And then all of a sudden, the wind starts like changing. The
0: tree leaves like blow the other way, and things get really stuffy and still. And a wisp of a man goes by, and you're like, was I seeing what I thought I saw? Was it a tree branch? Was it some Spanish moss hanging from the trees? I also wonder if the
1: entity was running towards Sam – Like, as if it was running through the woods
0: to get to her, as if it was, like, you know, going to come right out of the woods. That's a really, really scary thought. And, (laughs) God, it reminds me now of last episode, La Llorona, that one story that that person said that the woman was running towards her younger brother with the intent to snatch him. But I don't know. I feel like this sounds to me like Wendigo's, which some people say Wendigo, and honestly, I don't know if there's (laughs) – a regional way to pronounce it, but I always say Wendigo. But this sounds a lot like that. It's like this wispy, creepy, like stick figure-like creature that just stalks on the side until Uh. it has an opportunity to prey on you. But this is actually so timely because, again, TikTok, I was watching all of these videos of people filming their kids playing outside and like realizing in the tree line that something was watching their children
1: hate that.
0: Yeah, and they couldn't identify what it was, and the creature is like the head. It just kind of moved back behind the tree trunk when she started calling for her kids, Ugh. but it's just so creepy, and the fact that this was so, I don't know, the fact that it just moved, and it was this tall humanoid figure. I'm like, is it Wendigo? Is it an alien? Like, what the hell are these things, and why is and, it Yeah, observe. Like, why does it feel comfortable enough to be so close?
1: Okay, well, what if These entities are somewhat connected to black-eyed kids, and they steal children and turn them into black-eyed kids. Oh, my gosh. Wow. We haven't talked about black-eyed kids in
0: some time. I know. I don't know how it crossed my mind, but it does often. These are the snatchers. Yeah. Or what if it's like the BFG? What if the BFG was inspired (laughs) by this? What if these big, tall creatures actually exist and they snatch children? It's not just in their dreams. But BFG is supposed to be friendly. He's the only one. He's the only friendly one. There's one, one the giants, friendly one? All the other giants are mean and they crunch up the children's bones and eat them and give them I bad dreams. I don't like those
1: ones. I think BFG should rub off on all of them and they should all be nice and we should all kumbaya together in the woods and have a little bonfire and talk about our problems and ask why? Why do you do these creepy things? Here's I help question. you? Here's another question.
0: What if? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of the photos that people took thinking that this one animal was chupacabra but it was actually a raccoon that had lost all of its hair oh what if this creature is actually sasquatch what if this is bigfoot with alopecia (laughs) 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 what if we totally misidentified the thickness and that all of the weight and girth of this creature comes from the hair but he's really just this tiny skinny lanky creature he just needs all the hair to stay warm. Yes. Oh, so he was running to keep his body temperature up. He had to. He had he to would do it. Hoping that Sam would leave a sweater behind on the ground. Bigfoot <laughs> with know. alopecia. Bigfoot with alopecia.
1: See, there's always a reason behind these entities being
0: scary. And we just solved it. It's and we Bigfoot just with solved it. Bigfoot alopecia looking for a spare sweater. So... <laughs> oh that could be our new children's book
1: just start leaving loose sweaters out in the woods so bigfoot can uh warm up my little
0: breadcrumbs come here it's just a picture
1: of your face on it
0: (laughs) i'll keep you warm bigfoot looking for love in all the wrong
1: places (laughs) okay wow how do i go on from that i feel like all (laughs) i'm picturing is poor shivering alopecia bigfoot poor guy poor guy okay well Poor Emily, because she sent a story saying, or the subject line is, that time my ex-boyfriend might have summoned a demon in our apartment by accident. Hello, Corinne and Sabrina. I'm a relatively new listener and very quick fan. I love your podcast and have been listening starting at the beginning and thought about submitting a ghost story. When I skipped to the most recent episode to see if you were still accepting stories, you so sweetly encouraged anyone who wanted to submit a story to do so, so I took it as a sign to email you. I am somewhere in the middle of skeptic-slash-believer spectrum. I always try to think of logical explanations behind strange occurrences, but I also love the idea of ghosts and hauntings, and I love listening to ghost stories. I guess you could say, I want to believe… I've had a few weird and possibly paranormal things happen in my past, including times where I thought I saw ghosts as a little kid, but I wanted to share my most recent, strange story with you. At the time, I was living in an apartment with my now ex-boyfriend. He was always kind of a weird and quirky guy, and one of his quirks was that he would talk in his sleep. Usually, it was pretty funny. He would wake up in the middle of the night and say some hilarious nonsense like, Do you think butterflies can drive cars? before immediately falling back to sleep. I always thought it was funny. (laughs) But one night, his sleep talking got a little creepy. It was the middle of the night, and I had woken up for no reason, and he started moaning and mumbling in his sleep like he usually did before sleep talking. I rolled over, expecting him to say something silly, but instead, he turned over and stared at me with his eyes wide open and started talking in gibberish that sounded sort of like Latin. He kept getting louder and louder, almost like he was chanting, until he was practically yelling in this weird gibberish language. He was asleep, but his eyes were wide open the entire time, staring right at me. Freaked out, I yelled at him to stop, calling out his name and trying to wake him up. Finally, he stopped talking, but he didn't wake up. Instead, he just lay on his side, still staring at me with his eyes wide and an eerie smile on his face. This scared me enough that I noped out of the situation, I jumped out of bed and turned on the bedroom light, and in response he grumbled and pulled the blanket over his head, but still wouldn't wake up. I spent several hours in the living room on my laptop, too scared to go back to bed, and when I asked him about it in the morning, he had absolutely no memory of talking in his sleep. I was going to brush it off as just a weird, creepy occurrence, but things started happening not long after that. Some nights later, there was a tapping noise at our window, and the only way I could describe the sound is that it sounded like a fingernail tapping against the wall, trying to get our attention. It lasted for a few seconds before going away, but then, after that, this tapping sound against the walls happened almost every night. At first, I thought it was coming from outside, but quickly learned that was not possible. It started out near the window in our bedroom but sometimes moved to the wall behind our bed. Sometimes the tapping noise would travel across the walls too, starting from one wall and ending on the other side of the room, like something was traveling around the room, tapping steadily on every wall as it went. I didn't always hear it, but my ex-boyfriend did. The way he described it, the tapping would get so loud at night that it would wake him up, and as soon as he was awake— it would quietly die down and disappear. It would usually end at the wall right above his head at the bed. One evening when I came home from a late shift at work around 11 p.m. or midnight, he was sitting in the living room and not our bedroom like he usually was. He told me the tapping noise had been extra loud that night and that it kept traveling around the apartment from wall to wall and not just in our bedroom. It started from what sounded like the hallway closet, moved through the living room and ended as usual above his head in the bed. He was too spooked to stay in bed and waited up for me instead. Being a partial skeptic, I do have a possible explanation. This happened right around winter, and it was our first time living at this place when it was snowing, so I reasoned with him that it could have been water dripping from the roof and sounding like a fingernail tapping. It was a very old building and not in very good shape. There are always massive icicles on the apartment, which I've heard is a sign that a building is poorly ventilated. Maybe the tapping sounds came from the water heater in the apartment complex, working overtime to keep things warm, and they were creaking because the place was so old and in such poor shape. But that did not stop him from being deeply unnerved by it, and doesn't explain why the tapping would get loud enough to wake him up and then just die down the second he was awake. Maybe it was his imagination, but I can't say for sure. It reached a point that he was barely sleeping at night because the tapping sound kept waking him up, and I bought him earplugs to wear at night, but they didn't work. He still heard it. I, however, just slept through it, and if I heard it in the night, I mostly shrugged it off and went back to sleep. This is how I learned I'm a badass who can't be scared by the paranormal. I live mostly with the mindset that as long as it isn't hurting me, a ghost can do whatever it wants, and I'll just leave it alone. Eventually, we moved to a new apartment, and there were no more incidents. If he did accidentally summon a demon in his sleep, or if we were haunted by a persistent tapping ghost, it stayed in the apartment and did not follow us to the new place. He was finally able to sleep at night without strange noises from the walls keeping him awake. We have since broken up, and I haven't had any odd occurrences since, but I still think about that tapping noise from time to time, and wonder if it really was just a coincidence that strange noises started coming from our walls right after my ex woke up in the middle of the night chanting in what sounded like a dead language. I suppose the moral of the story is if your boyfriend wakes you up at night speaking in Latin, you should probably break up with him. Thanks for giving the world such a great podcast, girls. And I hope this made for an interesting story.
0: Much love. M. I mean, I feel like there's the correlation right there. It all started after that one moment. So, what was being passed through? What veil was lifted or broken?
1: It's like saying Beelzebub three times.
0: Right. Or Beetlejuice three times. Was it even about the space, or was there something just coming through and attached to the boyfriend? Though I guess it did happen when he was not there. Yeah, there's some I it makes me think there's something in the house.
1: But it didn't the only thing is that I'm grateful for both of their sakes that it didn't do anything beyond tapping because right. that's, you know, I mean, yes, as annoying as it is for M's ex-boyfriend that he couldn't sleep at all. Like he kept waking up because of this noise mm-hmm. would get louder and louder until he woke up and then it would stop. So like it's interesting because that's kind of like a dwindling down your psyche tactic, right? If this is a dark entity. It was trying mm-hmm. to make M's ex boyfriend tired and have a lack of sleep, which would then make him more
0: malleable and easier to manipulate. What if it wasn't having to do anything with him sort of finding something in the astral plane or awakening some spirit? What if the spirit was always there, but <gasps> he just was an easier target given his? Tendency to sleep talk and maybe be in this sort of in between state. Oh, like he was always in him? Yeah. And so the entity wasn't necessarily trying to, I don't know, maybe he just tapped into him as his energy source. Interesting. It's curious though, because
1: like I kind of see that situation just because the way that he was sleep talking and speaking another language, like, does sound like a possession almost. Although my dad does that too. Even though, actually, my dad has admitted that, or he thinks that he's battling with a past life, so past life might be coming through him when he's sleeping. Mm -hmm. But it does make me wonder, then, why, after that experience, did the entity split from him? Because it sounds like it was no
0: longer inside him. I don't know. Maybe that was the opportunity to move about the space freely. Maybe it's— (gasps) Or— What? What if M interrupted a binding ceremony? Oh, God. A binding ritual— chance. Yes. With like turning the light on. <gasps> oh, I have chills. And now they're just waiting for a new opportunity yeah. to complete the ritual. And my leg hair just grew a quarter of an inch.
1: <laughs> or maybe they're lucky that they got out and moved to a new place and I feel bad whoever moves into the old
0: place because there's a demon lingering. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Because you know, we've talked so many times about objects being haunted, whether it's a spirit that's attached to, you know, their beloved brooch, or if it's a demon that's attaching itself to a doll or a chest or something. Mm -hmm. I've never really thought about how that bonding or that binding experience happens. I've always just thought it was a decision or maybe not a decision, but it happens in a split second. But what if there is a lot more that has to happen? What if there is a whole almost ceremony around it yeah you have to have a ceremony to get rid of it so you may as well have to have something to start it yeah we don't know until one day we're both demons and we possess people oh my gosh what if that is our destiny what if we become the things we fear most demons it would be really fun i think being a demon would be kind of fun i want to be a good demon like a fun (laughs) demon Like a party demon. Yes, like a cool mom. Like, I'm a cool demon. Like, I'm just going to hang with all the cool kids type of demon. (gasps) You know? Do no harm type of demon.
1: Okay, have you read that book, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue? No, but I saw the movie. There's a movie? Wait. It's a new book. Or new earth.
0: There's no movie yet. What am I thinking of? What's the one? Angus Thongs and Snogging or whatever? No, 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 no. Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I'm thinking of, and of course, as soon as I say it, I can't remember any of the names. What's the movie with the woman who is in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and Alexis Bledel? No. The blonde one who's married Blake to... Blake Lively? Yes. What was she in? Where she? The Age of Adeline. Oh, uh, yes. The yes, titles yes. have the same energy. Yeah. Okay, but
1: the book, Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, you would love it. There's basically, it's this woman and she had made a deal with like a devil or a demon. And it's really, really interesting. And they're like, dynamic is so intriguing and the demon's kind of like sexy. But then she also acknowledges that he's portraying himself, how he wants to be
0: seen by her specifically. Huh. But I'm like, that's kind of a demon I can get down with. Super. And I remember you actually talking about this book now. And as you were talking about it, I was like, we've definitely talked about this before. But let me add it to my Goodreads. And then I realized it. I already it's, clicked it as want to oh. read. And I think this was the exact same conversation we had before where I was like, let me add it to my Goodreads. Oh, my and gosh. you already previously told me about it. It's so good. Okay. I'll definitely read it. Really enjoyed it. There are some sexy moments to it. All right. This is an email from our listener, Brenda. And it's called, my ex smells rotten. Oh. Hello, ghouls. My name is Brenda. I'm 22. I live in South Florida, more specifically in a little suburban town on the outskirts of Fort Lauderdale. I'm a longtime listener and first found your podcast in early 2018. Wow. Wow. I think you're only 20 or 30 episodes in. You both have felt like friends of mine since I started listening. And it always helps to have a go to podcast on my long commutes to see my girlfriend who lives two hours away. Anywho, this is my second time writing to you girls. And I feel like there was a lot missing in my last email to you from way back but let's face it lots has happened since then (laughs) and i don't think i can keep up i have two separate experiences that i want to share the first experience will be more of a compilation of paranormal events that happened within a four-month time span and the second experience i want to touch base on happened just a few weeks ago this might get long but i promise you it's worth the wait and she sent this on my birthday last year (gasps) happy birthday to you corinne well, we already had that. We don't need to resend. it. I know, it. Just but saying. that's why it was sent. Like, it's it was oh. meant to be read. <laughs> yes. It's your gift. It came up, and I was like, ooh, I got to read this one. Okay. The first experience happened back in late 2017, early 2018. Before I get into the nitty-gritty and creepy paranormal stuff, let me preface a bit. I had just started college around this time, and I was getting straight A's even though my schedule was packed. I was working three jobs and taking six classes – And the cherry on top is that I then got into a very abusive and unhealthy relationship. And needless to say, that didn't last very long because a person can only take so much. I ended up dropping out because I was failing, and I went from three jobs to one because of the path that this woman took me down. Now, aside from all of that... Two months into the relationship, she opened up to me about her demon that's been attached to her since birth. I wasn't surprised by this, since she and her family were very spiritual. Her extended family resides in a reservation in Wyoming, and her strong and very present Native American roots explained some of her beliefs, but that didn't make it any less petrifying. It started small, like hearing knocking in the walls. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. This is like like Flipper's story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Beware. (laughs) It started small, like hearing knocking in the walls, seeing a shadow run by in my peripherals, or feeling Gwen basically punch me in the face when I would walk down the stairs. But over time, the more I stayed at her house, the worse it got. We would hear furniture get thrown around upstairs where her room was while we were eating dinner downstairs, or paintings would fly off the walls. I would feel hands grabbing my legs when I was sitting on the couch most of the time. And the craziest part were the stories that she told me about her previous girlfriend and how this demon would terrorize her. This demon would at times appear, but it would appear as my girlfriend. So what? a doppelganger, but 20 times meaner. And the kicker was she smelled like rotting <gasps> flesh. Oh? She looked dead and she smelled dead. This doppelganger would physically fight with her mother and show up at her ex's house unexplainably and peer through her windows on the second floor. No, Might I add, my ex didn't have a car and her ex lived on the opposite side of town, so there was no logical explanation as to how she got there. And also, she can't float the second floor. No! (laughs) Her ex would text her, Glad you came to stop by, but why do you smell so bad? Smells like you just killed someone. Oh, that's a far too casual text. Far too casual. And her actual body and self was just chilling at home and told her that she was at home the whole time. This demon also locked her ex in a bathroom and stopped time entirely. (gasps) But I'm not going to go into detail about that. What do you mean? We need to know. What do you mean? Oh, my gosh. (sighs) I'm shook, Brenda. We need another email. With that info. If not for Corinne's birthday, for mine. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, so this demon's tough time. But I'm not going to go into detail about that because I can write an entire novel about that experience alone. Please do. Please, please do. Please. So basically just really scary, really spooky shit that I never want to relive again. I ended the relationship after four months because on top of having a demon lingering at all times, it was a very abusive and horrible relationship. I want to say her demon didn't make her life any better, but she wasn't hurrying to shoo this entity away either because it made her feel like she had someone, and she felt like it helped her when she was most depressed and alone. Oh, gosh, no. That's what it wants. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, what it's contributing to. My second experience was a few weeks ago, and I shared this experience with my current girlfriend. To preface again, she's also very spiritual. She's extremely intuitive emotionally and physically. She can connect with people who have passed through symbols, and she can sense when things aren't right through premonitions or physically feeling sick, for example. She knew her grandmother was going to die a week before it happened through a dream, and once she had to leave work early because she felt like she wanted to die but had no idea why, and then she found out her good friend had passed away that day that she was experiencing the pain. Oh. Okay, but now on to what happened. And trigger warning, though, I'm about to talk about drugs and rufalin. My good friend Savannah passed away in a bathtub during a house party after someone drugged her drink. This death hit everyone in our community like a truck. She was an absolute light, and her love for life and f- love for people made her death that much more painful to process. Wow. My friends and I coordinated a memorial for her at a nearby beach so that we could talk about her and remember her for the amazing person that she was. My girlfriend and I got there early, so we went to the beach and hung out for a little bit before everybody else got there. And after a while, my girlfriend lays down the blanket that I brought, and she has her eyes shut, and she's silent. She asks me, what color do you see when you close your eyes? And I told her, um, it's like brown, but very muted. Why? And she told me, I see a bright blood red, and I feel angry. I was a little confused at first, but then she continued, Savannah's here, and she's angry. She regrets going to that party, and she just wants to apologize to her parents. Mm. Of course, me being the emotional wreck that I am, I tried very hard not to ball my eyes out, and my girlfriend continues, I'm going to try to send her prettier and happier colors. I'm going to try to stay connected to a constant blue. After some trial and error, Savannah had officially let her in, and there was a constant flow of symbols and messages. She had to tell her over and over, you'll be okay, this is the afterlife, you'll be fine, followed with, I know you don't know me, but you know Brenda, and I want to connect you too. Savannah didn't trust her because she didn't know her. My girlfriend went as the emotional support for me, but eventually Savannah accepted her spiritual presence. My friends started arriving, and they were oblivious to the fact that Savannah was present and that my girlfriend they just met that day was connecting with her. But I stayed on top of it and I asked for updates while I was sitting next to her. At one point, my girlfriend looked at me and went, does she have any tattoos? And I said, yes, of course, why? And she goes, does she have one of a phoenix? And I look at her pictures and she didn't. This time, I asked what symbols she was seeing and my girlfriend kept saying, I see a phoenix and ashes, ashes going up. And I sit there and I ponder for at least five minutes before it hits me. Savannah loves an artist named Elenium. And his artist symbol is a phoenix. And he has an album titled Ashes. I told my girlfriend this and her eyes light up and she tells me, wow, thank God you're here. I would not have guessed that because I don't even listen to him. So we check out the album and one of the first few songs on the album is titled Afterlife. We look at each other and we played it on low volume, but we couldn't understand it too well. So we look up the lyrics and my girlfriend starts sobbing. She says to me, that's what I was telling her. I was telling her it was all going to be fine. So then I look at the lyrics and my jaw drops because it's exactly what my girlfriend was telling me she was saying to Savannah an hour earlier. So the lyrics go, and in the afterlife, tell me we'll be fine. Savannah Mm -hmm. is a wild character, so she lightens the mood and tells my girlfriend in that moment, that's what I was trying to tell you, bitch. Oh. (laughs) The night ended and Savannah said bye. Cut the connection. But I'm very happy I was able to connect with my friend who is grieving her own life. All right. That was all of it. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to email you the rest of my experiences because I also have some with mediums. Pretty fancy. See you on the other side, Brenda. Wow. Brenda, we need to know more of your stories. We need to know
1: everything. We also need to know the full story. Demon stopping time. That needs to be sent immediately. Immediately. We need to know everything. I'm so sorry for your loss of your friend. That's so tragic. That's just awful what happened to her. And so it's no wonder that her spirit was so angry because it's like, not that any of it was her fault, but like the fact that She had no choice
0: in her, you know, in her death. Right. Oh, it's horrible. But I'm also so glad that Brenda's girlfriend was there and was was so connected and capable of channeling and, like, being a medium in that moment that she, I feel like, helped not only Brenda through some of the grief and and just being able to connect, but also Savannah.
1: Yeah, 100%. Savannah was angry and Brenda's girlfriend was able to give her some lightness and blue and, you know – yeah. Make her feel a little bit calmer in the afterlife.
0: Right. I mean, the tune of Savannah from the first connection to the last one, that tone changed oh, so much. Completely. All I will say, Brenda, is new
1: girlfriend sounds much more positive and filled with light than ex-girlfriend filled with demon.
0: Yes. I'm also very curious about Brenda's spiritual capabilities because yeah. both of her two girlfriends were obviously extremely spiritual and extremely open. On very different ends. The extreme. Yes, so, I mean, <laughs> one was open and had not protected herself at all. And, and was open to a demon. And was open to a demon and not treating people kindly at all. Yeah. But I mean, it's one of the things that you open up a channel and then it can go either way and there's just so many little steps and so many things that can happen that guides it one way or another but -hmm. the fact that brenda had two people i'm assuming these are back-to-back girlfriends that were so incredibly in tune i'm like is brenda super in tune or is she just or she's drawn to people who are connected to the paranormal Right. I know. I feel like a really good entrepreneurial job for Brenda would be to seek out, to find all of these people who can connect with the dead and, like, bring them together somehow. She should coordinate covens, I think. She basically can go walk into any room and, like,
1: she'll be drawn to people who are paranormally inclined. Yes. So, Brenda, what you need to do next time you're in a room full of strangers, which who knows when that will ever happen – Find the person who you're drawn to and then call them out and be like, you're into the paranormal. Just you see dead people. Out people. You see dead people.
0: She's a talent scout, but for mediums. <laughs>
1: but for paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> I am so curious. Okay, when you were reading the first story about Brenda's ex-girlfriend and the demon, mm-hmm. there was a point where she was talking about how the ex-girlfriend would appear to her like the doppelganger. But I'm so curious, if a demon is inside, if a demon has possessed and taken over the soul of a person, can they then therefore cause that person's astral being to go elsewhere and take control of their astral being as well as their physical being? Because what if it's not necessarily a doppelganger, which obviously demons can do, and we've read stories where they mimic people, Mm -hmm. but what if they are using your
0: astral being and traveling around with that? That's really interesting because at first I was about to say, well, I don't think that's the case in this scenario because Brenda had said that her ex-girlfriend told her ex-girlfriend's (laughs) ex-girlfriend that she was at home the whole time after her girlfriend had been like, hey, it was nice of you to stop by, but that's after the demon left. And now knowing that this demon can manipulate time and stop time, what if there was To the ex-girlfriend, no lost time. Like, what if she felt like she was living life the whole time and that things were normal, not recognizing and realizing that there was a large amount of time actually missed? Yeah. It reminds me so much of that listener story that we read where that girl was getting ready for her college class and she was, like, doing her hair, doing her makeup, like, walked to class. (sighs) And And she was late. She was an hour late. Yeah. Like, two hours late or something. Like, she had lost all of time, but time went normal for her in the moment
1: mm-hmm weird
0: a time manipulation demon is quite possibly the scariest type of demon
1: yeah but i wonder if they all can do that or do you like level up is like pokemon they all have different right maybe skills. you have to get yeah
0: you have to like supercharge your
1: powers i like at a tesla supercharge station practice makes perfect plug in
0: demons
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like nexium where they give you different belts like sashes and you as you graduate levels but you never actually reach satan's level or like karate <laughs> yeah but that's the closest but i'm
0: equating demons to a cult because that seems okay. more likely than i was just thinking the only time i've ever leveled up in my life was like you know getting my white belt and then having the yellow tape and then the orange you, tape oh cute like, corinne karate my tapes I never made it to the not a white belt, so. That's further than I ever made it. But the time manipulation demons are scary because you might not even realize that you have a demon in your life. Like, what if it starts small and they're just taking away a few minutes at a time out of your life just to see what Ugh. happens, to see if you'll notice. Scary. Very scary.
1: Maybe every time I, like, feel tired and have to nap. You know, recently, maybe this is probably wedding planning stuff, but recently I've just gotten, like, tired randomly in the middle of the day and I'll, like, fall asleep even though I like don't even plan to fall asleep and I just fall asleep. And then I wake up and I'm like, whoa, I didn't plan to fall asleep. What if that's a demon taking my astral body and going elsewhere? <sighs> and then it comes back and it's like, he, 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 wake up. What happened in the last hour? You don't know. Okay. This is from our listener, Lockie, and it's called Spirit Guide a la the Ring. Hi, ladies. My name is Lockie. I only recently found your podcast, but I am absolutely loving it and currently trying to play catch up. This is from last summer, especially since until about two months ago. I was a stanch atheist and pretty sure there was nothing after death except being warm food. But get prepared for one hell of an email because it's a fucking ride. (laughs) However, it was about two months ago that I quit my corporate job to work a domestic violence safe house because I needed a job with meaning. And word to the wise, do not work in insurance if you can help it. Anyway, the job felt right and everything fell magically into place. When I met with the manager, we ended up talking for literally hours just for fun after my orientation, which is like, okay, cool. (laughs) But then she starts telling me about her life as a medium and the house ghost who lives in one of the rooms. And she tells me to just make sure I leave the lights on for her because she's scared of the dark and I'm working overnight shifts, but I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Who am I to judge? But then she starts telling me about spirit guides and how everyone has them, and she tells me that mine likes to hide. At this point, I'm like, okay, cool, might be worth looking into, right? Especially since she says one of my coworkers is also really sensitive and the ghost of her daughter likes to hang out and bother the house ghost. At this point, I started noticing that when I'm on shift, the cameras are whack and glitch a lot. But no big deal, we'll get them fixed. When the guy comes, they're fine. But again, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm a rational person. Fast forward to a month of me scaring myself, but nothing really happening. When I start talking to my coworker and I hear the most horrific noise I've ever heard in my life of someone running down the hall to our office. And we were the only ones there. I immediately start bawling because I was terrified. And I look at my coworker and she sees that I'm affected, but says this stuff normally happens. She always hears stuff. I'm freaking out at this point because I've never, in my memory, experienced things I couldn't explain away. And after talking to my media manager, she explains it was probably my coworker's child who likes to play with the ghost cat that lives there. Okay, cool. Time to rework my religious framework now, which is not scary, right? And that's when I start trying to connect with my spirit guides. I start doing meditations, tarot readings, but I just don't get anything. So one morning after work, when I'd spent the night binging Vampire Diaries and getting very emotionally charged, I'm chatting with my manager and the light bulb next to me just explodes. I try to keep talking like, whatever, it's totally fine. But my coworker, who literally sees ghosts all day, every day, looks freaked. So I ask her what's going on, and she goes, this is definitely your spirit guide, and she's definitely a female. Again, cue the terrified crying. At this point, I mentioned to my best friend who lives far away and also a medium, and for an atheist, I realize I have a lot of spiritual friends. So my friend, who's a medium, I tell her that I'm trying to reach out to my spirit guides. She told me that she was going to check with her spirit guides and make sure it was okay. And they start discussing mine, who presents herself as a nine-year-old little girl with pitch black hair who is just mean as fuck but likes me, which honestly is on par for me. So I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) I mention it to my manager again and tell her that I'm working through my family tree to try to connect to who this bitch queen, as I affectionately labeled her, is. She immediately breathes a sigh of relief and tells me that when I first started working here, she saw this spirit that she'd never seen before that was pissed because she got trapped at the safe house. She was nine years old, long black hair, a la The Ring. And I was like, yep, she's mine. <laughs> she's mine. She's <laughs> mine. Long story shortish, my manager and I find out we're cousins because it's the South, so of course, which is why my little bitch queen came to her for help. She then found the name of who would have been my grandmother who died only 10 minutes from where the safe house is located. Again, the South. And on the day that light bulb blew out, it was the anniversary of her death. So now, every time I leave work, I usher my bitch queen to follow me home, and I've stopped wearing my obsidian so she doesn't feel trapped And when I arrived to work, apparently that same lamp likes to flicker and the cameras do their crazy shit my whole shift, which they only do for me apparently. And that's the story of how I got a new job, found a cousin, and started a conversation with my very own Casper. And I have a feeling that this is just the beginning. Love your podcast and we'll keep listening always.
0: Stay spooky, lackey. (sighs) Wow. Okay. Interesting (laughs) that this is a safe house, which I'm so glad it exists. But you enter in this safe house and it is riddled with spirits. Like, is this the safe house for ghosts too? So many. Because this is a packed house here. And if I were entering this safe house, I'd be like, I'm so happy that I'm here, but I'm also terrified to sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) There's a ghost girl running down the hall. Yes, an angry nine-year-old spirit bitching everyone out. Yeah, I'm shocked. It is really
1: interesting, though, to think, I mean, the way that... All of this happened about how she quit her job and then this new job fell into place and her coworker or manager happens to be her cousin and happens to be very in tune with the paranormal and is helping her realize who her spirit guide is. It just feels very meant to be. Like she yeah. was destined to find this job and these people to kind of tap into this other side of her life. It's
0: also just so interesting that a spirit – I always just picture spirit guides for some reason as adults or some sort of like ancient I know being type energy. But it's a nine-year-old. Well, it could be a spirit presenting itself as a nine-year-old. Or it's just a nine-year-old that's lived many lives and is just... Right. I mean, if we believe in reincarnation, I guess that could be said of any spirit. It's just all spirits are just presenting themselves. But the age is very old, possibly infinite. Yeah. So interesting. It's so fascinating. This is making me rethink everything I thought about my spirit guide.
1: I don't know anything about my spirit guide, so... I want to meet her cousin and right. find out.
0: I want to know more about my
1: spirit guide. Someone tell me.
0: Yes. And also, I want a bunch of coworkers that can see ghosts, just like Lackey has. I know. That's kind of cool. I mean, so this cool. new job
1: sounds way more interesting
0: than insurance. <laughs> I think Lackey chose the right route. Yeah, right? There's avenue. Right. For your path. I mean, if not for the job, for the spirits. And for the co-workers. And for the co-workers. There's something fresh every day. You never know what you're going to see. You never know. What you'll encounter. Just a light bulb exploding right next to you
1: or a child running through the hall. Because like another co-worker's daughter
0: spirit appears in the house. Like it's just a safe place for all ghosts. I just can't believe that before this, she was a full-on atheist, was just super like You die, you go into the earth, that is that, your body gets eaten, you are in earth, and nothing exists beyond that. And now she's like, oh my god, I'm working at this place where there are ghosts everywhere, everyone's seeing this small little child that's following me, I have a spirit guide. Like, it it wasn't, it's not just like, oh, I saw the lights flicker, and now I believe. Like, this is full-blown, like, spirit guides included. Yes. Multiple, it's all, it's, wow, I mean, zero to a (laughs) hundred here. yeah truly wow okay well i have another email for you this is from cynthia hi corinne and sabrina i first have to say that i started listening to your podcast from the first episode whoa about a week and a half ago oh so she started from the first episode which but this is back in 2018 so my might die oh wow yes so pretty early on but also Thank you. Brave. Brave of you. Continuing after the first one. (laughs) We are so hard on ourselves. I refuse to listen. We do have a significant
1: drop-off of, like, between episode one and episode two. Stats don't lie, man. No, they don't. People hate us. It's like a million people have listened to episode one and, like, 500,000 have listened to episode two.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's it's a massive drop-off. Yeah, it's like 50% of people (laughs) decide
1: that
0: we are definitely not for them. (laughs) These childish high
1: school girls who are giggling nonstop and say, like, every other word. Uh,
0: I still say Uh. that. I haven't really changed.
1: (laughs) We have changed a little bit. We have gotten better editors. so Better the- editors,
0: better microphones. There we go. Yeah, that's true. We interrupt each other maybe 25% fewer times during the episodes what do you than mean? we did originally.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. Blah, blah, blah. She has been listening for a while. Okay. I am on episode 46 right now and I love listening to you both. You have great chemistry together and remind me of my cousin and I. Aww. I also suffer from sleep paralysis. It started when I was about 15. My room was always pitch dark when I would turn the lights off. Me, being the oldest of five, I would always have my brother or sister turn the light off for me after I got into bed under the covers. Either that or I would turn off my light and then I would run for my life and jump on my bed. Anyway, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it started with me hearing someone in my room and feeling someone there. I couldn't see anything though because my room was so dark. I would try to yell for my brother, but I wouldn't be able to move or scream. And when I would come out of it, I would just try to stay awake and listen and hope that it wouldn't happen again. The most terrifying night that I had was about eight years ago. I was recently divorced and living in a house that we had built in a fairly new subdivision. I have two kids, but they were staying with their dad that night. At the time, I had a puppy named Farah. She was a white Lassa Apso mix. We would always say that there was a ghost dog that she would play with because she'd run around barking and playing with something that we could not see. But back to my experience... Farah was sleeping on my bed, like usual, on my bed, at my feet, when I went to sleep. During the night, I heard her growling viciously up by my head in a protective manner. I then saw a shadowy dog-shaped thing floating above me, and it started to suck the breath out of me. What? I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I could not make any noise. Pharaoh was growling the entire time, like she really wanted to kill this demon dog, as I called it then. I was so terrified and I couldn't do anything. Finally, I came out of it and I don't say woke up because I feel like I was awake and it took me a while before I wanted to move and I had to take some deep breaths to make sure that I still could breathe. The next day, I was telling a coworker about it and she told me about sleep paralysis and that she suffers from it as well too. I still have them every so often, but not near as much as I used to. The most recent was just a few days ago where a thick fog weighed down on my chest and I couldn't breathe. You're right when you say it stays in the family line because my daughter has sleep paralysis also. She has some stories as well, but I need to get a better account from her. She told me that she has figured out how to pull herself into a state at times. However, there are times that she doesn't have control and is completely terrified. I hope I have her stories for you soon. Thank you both so much for listening and for what you do. It's great to be able to discuss these things without people judging or not believing me. Oh, and one more thing before I go. My sister's birthday is August 3rd. Same as Corinne. Anyway, I love your podcast and enjoy hearing both of you. Love you, girls, and see you on the other side. Cynthia. Corinne, did you just search in our email August 3rd? No, I truly didn't. I <laughs> promise you. But as I was reading that, I was like, oh, fuck, it's going to look like I am making this about me again. Because there were uh. – no 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 no.
1: this what one i just pulled
0: the other one was i wanted to pick a recent one so i was going through like the oh, past few wow. days of emails that is a funny and coincidence to me. <laughs> it's very much that though it is a coincidence
1: it's okay if you want to extend your birthday you're I allowed i don't i don't i <laughs>
0: don't love attention and so i'm happy to be done with it and on to celebrating you <laughs> well cynthia that is terrifying so terrifying and here's the thing her talking about sleep paralysis and her co-worker talking about like, oh, it's just sleep paralysis and her daughter learning to pull herself out. I feel like her daughter learning to pull herself out is very much her daughter being able to basically tune into something spiritually that makes her strong and protect herself. Yeah. I don't think that this means that it's just a dream that you can control and make yourself move out of, especially given that her dog, Farah had all of these reactions to this creature, this entity. And it's it was like a, a death joke. eater. It was trying yes. to suck the life out of her seriously that is it's terrifying to think of that that it's literally there trying to suck up her breath and her dog was going crazy oh so something was there something was there that's
1: the thing that bothers me about sleep paralysis so like there's so many people who just write it off as some you know random occurrence that is just scientific and not Mm -hmm. extra you know or paranormal or supernatural at all and it's like No, this is clearly like a situation where – trust your pets. Trust your pets. There is something in the room. It is there to harm you, and you can't move. There's nothing you can do about it. Are those the
0: highest level demons? Oh, I don't know. I don't know because I feel like there's – yes, there's a bit of an advantage to everyone believing. Not everyone because obviously we don't, but to many people believing. It's just a medical scientific phenomenon, and it has nothing to do with the spiritual world. And to be able to like move under that cloak, that disguise and people letting their guard down a little bit more. But I also feel like operating in dreams and moving through dreams versus moving and manipulating the real world. I feel like I'm making assumptions because we don't know what it's like, but I feel like moving through the astral plane that way would be smoother and a bit easier than physical manipulation. Maybe. What do I know? Up. Well, probably the same amount as me. <laughs> Not much. Not much at all. Not much at all. But the other thing too. So if I think back to all of the times when people have discussed having sleep paralysis, it's usually a manipulation of the person in particular. So the person will see something, hear something. And it's not like it's really noisy. It's not like this crazy thing going la, 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 in the corner. <laughs> Usually if there's noise, it's kind of like wind or, or it's something like right on your ear. Like it's very personal. So for the dog to be reacting so aggressively yeah, is already outside of what a typical sleep paralysis episode would be.
1: <sighs> well, <laughs> what do I do? How do I stop thinking about that? I'm I'm so glad that I've never had sleep paralysis. Knock it's on not wood. Great. Yeah, please knock on wood. I think that and Waverly Hills are like the two things and black-eyed kids. That scare you most. Yeah. That scare me most.
0: Well, and now recordings of alien abductions, remember? We still True. need to wow, I'm I guess I'm scared
1: of everything. Well, that's okay. <laughs>
0: it's okay. Okay. Okay.
1: This is a story from Sydney, and it is called Spooky Chronicles. Hi ladies, I just stumbled upon your podcast and I am absolutely obsessed. My name is Sydney and I have been known among my friends and family as spiritually sensitive and infamously unlucky. With that being said, I'll be taking time to write as many of my encounters as I can think of, so feel free to use Mr. Empty, the man in the white makeup. When I was little, my family lived on base in Southern California. Because I was so young, I'll be telling this mostly from my family's perspective, but I do remember a few things. It was a small home. My aunt and I shared a bunk bed in my room, and my sister had her own space. And there were my parents and my dog, Megan. One night in this home, after we had finally moved in, we were all watching TV, and these wall plug-ins we had to scare mice away all of a sudden shot out of the outlet. It was so sudden and shocking that my family just laughed it off and decided it was time to go to bed. After that time, there were multiple instances where my family would be woken up by banging in the hallway, or my dog growling at an empty space, or me screaming in my sleep. My parents tell me that I started talking about a man named Mr. Empty who lived in the water tower and would watch me from my window of my bedroom. I remember seeing his face in the ceiling, which I slept in the top bunk and he would reach for me and grab at my wrists. This went on for a while until my dad left for war in Iraq, which was around the time when my mom finally decided to do some more research into the house that we lived in. It turned out that we lived on top of a house that had previously burned down with a man in it. This man had a wife and daughter around my age, and when my mother showed me his picture, I had apparently recognized that man as Mr. Empty. I called him the man in the white makeup because it looked like his face... Had ashes, and it seemed as though Mister Empty was trying to protect me from the fire that he
0: died in. Wow, that's sad. That's really sad. My next story. Wait, did she? Sorry, did she think that she was dreaming, or was this a, a memory where she knew she was awake? It wasn't a dream. So she okay. So she knew the whole time it wasn't a dream. I couldn't remember if she thought that it was a dream, and then later realized that it was. It was like no, real. no, no. She was young, so a lot of these memories are
1: told to her by her parents, but she remembers Mm. sleeping on the top bunk and seeing this man on the ceiling staring at her and reaching for her. Oh, wow. The next story is titled Bloody Mary. When I was in elementary school, my family had moved up to Washington after my father retired from the military. I was in the second grade, and I had no friends at my new school. During lunch, a couple of kids from my class were talking about playing Bloody Mary, And despite myself, I had resolved to play this game when I got home from school. So when I got home, I took Megan, my dog, into the bathroom with me because I was too scared to play by myself. And I said Bloody Mary three times in the dark and suddenly felt a chill overcome me. Megan started growling at the mirror and I got so scared that I ran out of the bathroom with her. Because of this instance, I believe that I likely opened up my home and myself to further paranormal activity. Other small instances I experienced in my life, throughout elementary school, I would hear people whispering to me, saying my name, and touching me. There was never anyone around when this would happen. There were also numerous instances where I would have dreams about things that would later happen, never anything big, but small things where I would know what people were going to say. However, most notably, I dreamt about my living room and all of my plushies surrounding this little brown dog. The plushies were attacking this dog, and I was so stressed that I woke up with a start. This dog turned out to be my dog, Gizmo, who we got from my best friend's family a couple of years later. He had not yet been born, but I started to realize after we had gotten him that he could sense spirits like I could, and that they did not like him either. Finally, for some reason, I had suddenly decided I hated the number 20, and I couldn't explain it, but I would come up with numerous silly reasons. All I knew was that the number 20 did not bode well for me or anyone. The next story is called the duplex. And just as a trigger warning, there's mention of suicidal thoughts and poor mental health. When I was in the fourth grade, my parents divorced. And two years later, my mom, sister, and I moved up the street to a duplex. My parents' divorce was volatile because it was not amicable and it involved a lot of hurt and negative feelings. You guys have mentioned that negative feelings open people up to the influence of negative spirits, and I agree. We had just gotten gizmo, and for a few weeks, that home seemed like a safe space. But a couple weeks after moving in, I would wake up every morning at 3 a.m. and would hear someone walking through the hallway by my room. They would stop by my room, tap, and walk again. This terrified me. I am incredibly anxious, and as a kid, I was not good at calming myself down. Throughout middle school, I would cry myself to sleep because I was depressed, and I would wake up to the pacing outside of my room. One day, I was feeling particularly down, and I was thinking about how hungry I was, and then about how I wanted to die, and as I was reaching to open the door for a glass cupboard that housed my dog's food, the door shattered and the glass went into one of my dog's bowls. I saw a figure flash in front of me and I started screaming and crying. I couldn't articulate what had happened, but I felt as though the entity was telling me to eat the glass and die. There were other times where I would take naps in my mom's room because she had a TV and I would see a child in my dreams peeking over the bed at me. When I woke up, I would see that pressure was relieved from the edge of the bed as if someone had just left. When I would take showers, one of our showers had a glass door, and I would see the shape of a man watching me through the door. Oh, oh! He was wearing a hat, and he was very tall. There were also times when Gizmo would, without any warning, start barking at the top of the stairs, which led to the hallway that led to our family's bedrooms. This went on until one night when I was in high school, I had a night terror. There was this woman standing by the mailbox outside of our home, and she was looking straight up at my bedroom. This dream went on with chaos, as night terrors typically do, and ended with this girl looking me in the face but she had my face, but it was extremely swollen. And then in my dream, I died. I woke up and I was terrified and looked at the foot of my bed and there was a woman standing there staring at me. She was in a white dress and had long hair. I truly couldn't go to school that day. And after this instance, I told my parents a bit about what I was experiencing and they told me a couple of things I could do to protect myself. I started to close myself off from these negative entities. Gizmo barked a lot less, and the home felt a lot lighter as I focused on the light protecting myself and my loved ones. When I was in college, I lived on campus in a haunted dorm. I did my prayers less, and I started hearing the pacing through the hallway again. I would hear tapping and scratching on my door, and there were times when, in my sleep, I somehow moved off my bed and onto my floor in front of my door. There were many negative instances that happened when I was at college that I again had dreams about beforehand, but those aren't necessary and don't relate much to ghosts. My next story is the hospital and the number 20. Eventually I left campus and ended up back home. I was 20 and working and suddenly fell ill. I was hospitalized for 236 days total. I was horribly sick with an undiagnosable possible cancer. I was dying going from hospital to hospital and one day I went into a state of psychosis. I was eventually medevaced to Cincinnati Children's Hospital and ended up in a haunted room, which a nurse admitted to my mom. My face was impossibly swollen from steroids, and I started seeing that woman again. She would stand in the corner of my room and watch me, and in my psychotic state, I would scream at her. Eventually, I turned 21 in the hospital, and that day, the doctors were able to do a biopsy that helped them Diagnose me and things got better from there, almost as if the number 20 really was something negative for me. And like that girl I would see in my room and hospital room was warning me about what was going to happen before it happened. My mom was remarried and I had a stepbrother who moved into my sister's old bedroom at the duplex. My stepbrother's room was at the end of the hallway next to the laundry room and our bathroom was in the center with my bedroom at the corner. My mom's room was at the top of the stairs. And I was back in the duplex, and the pacing outside of my door continued despite my prayers. Gizmo eventually passed away, and it was my dog, Lufa, and I at home most of the time. Oh, Lufa. Mm. My family was distraught over the loss of Gizmo, and the negative feelings were piling back up. And despite getting better, I still got sick often, and my energy was all out of whack. One day, I was sitting in my living room, and I felt like the entities were messing with me again, and I wasn't wrong. Lufa was unsettled and a pillow on my couch, which was originally perfectly straight and placed in the corner got smushed and was pushed down off of the couch. I had chills, but my mother got home soon after. We both went upstairs and because I was scared, I took Lufa with me while my mom and I cleaned our rooms. Lufa had a bad back and I put up a baby gate so that he couldn't go down the stairs. At one point, I stepped over the baby gate and walked over to my mom's room, and Lufo was laying down in the hallway, and my stepbrother's room was closed off. When I was done talking to my mom, I stepped back over and turned the corner to see my stepbrother's door wide open. His drone that he had gotten for Christmas was in the hallway, facing me, but turned off. I felt the blood drain from my body, and I picked up Lufo while calling to my mom. I yelled that my stepbrother's drone was moved, and she checked and was equally chilled. We left our home and drove around our town until my stepfather and his son got home. Needless to say, we saged the hell out of that home after we got home. Our new home. Lufa died only a few months after Gizmo. They were both so old, but I took Lufa's death hard because he was my best friend for 16 years. We moved out of the duplex a couple of months ago and we have two dogs now, Angus and Lola. And my family believed that that duplex was haunted. But I was unsure. I was worried that I was the one attracting the spirits because of my energy and my instance with the Bloody Mary experience. My mom left on a trip with her husband one weekend, and I had my close friend come stay with me because I'm anxious as hell. The first night, I fed my dogs after my parents left, and I placed their food scoops on the counter in the kitchen. My friend and I head to bed after watching some scary movies. All of the doors were locked, and throughout the night, I kept seeing that woman in my dreams— I woke up the next day, and my friend and I headed downstairs to find the scoops gone. We looked everywhere, but found them nowhere. I still haven't found them, but have searched our house entirely, and throughout the search, I felt the spirit of a kid who used to watch me sleep. I felt like he was messing with us because he thought it was funny. When we take our showers, my friend uses my shower, and I use my mom's, which has a glass door, And again, I saw the shape of a man watching me, still tall, still wearing a stupid hat, and still creepy (laughs) as ever. And lastly, after Lufa died, I was so distraught, but for Christmas following his death, my mother had gotten me a cuddle clone of Lufa. I cherish this cuddle clone, and I have placed him on my headboard in my new room. One time, Angus looked too interested in it, so I placed it on my desk directly to the right of my bed. I was scrolling through TikTok when I found the TikTok of the girl whose family owns the actual Conjuring house. I love the paranormal. I love scary things. And so I texted my friend from the previous story and I was saying that I wanted to go. As soon as I sent the message, Lufa's cuddle clone was knocked off my desk as if Lufa was telling me not to go and to protect myself instead of being a stupid little girl.
0: (laughs) Trust your pets even when they come from the (laughs) other side. That's it for the
1: paranormal stories I'm willing to share. There are many, many more, but I thought these ones would be pretty interesting. I love your podcast. Thank you for existing. Best wishes, Sydney.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh. So many things have happened to Sydney. And they're all
1: connected. And... I'm so curious because I can't speak for all the entities, but it's interesting how the day that she played Bloody Mary, something shifted. And then from then on out, she started seeing and feeling and hearing and like having physical interactions with the spirits. Mm -hmm. And then, but her fear of the number 20 and then seeing this girl with her face, but swollen then to when she is 20 become that girl And now there's this woman in her dreams. Like, I'm so curious if she's haunted by her future self. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. I just got chills. I did not really fully
0: think of that.
1: But then it doesn't explain, like, the little boy on the bed and the man watching her in the shower. But, like, it is interesting that there are consistent spirits
0: that are always around. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm just trying to make sense of the girl that appeared in the hospital. And how she's sort of like a warning to – I'm not sure if she's a warning to horrible things happening or, or trying to show that everything's going to be okay. Because right after she appeared was when the diagnosis happened and Sydney started to yeah. get better. But she had seen that entity even before the hospital when sh- right. she was younger. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you can't really attribute the spirit yeah. to being good or bad because the timing of it could be either. But if it's her then
1: it is good, right? It's her in a different timeline or it's kind of very haunting mm-hmm. of Hill House with that neck lady. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's kind of goes back to our conversation that we've been having a lot of time and parallel universes and dimensions and just like is right. everything happening all at once and if so,
0: are you able to then send messages back to yourself? from other times and yeah and also very haunting of hill house too is just the fact that haunting of hill house is this house that kind of preys on people's mental health and wellness and that seems to be sort of what the duplex does here a lot happens in the duplex a lot of negativity yeah it's so kind of with what sydney
1: said like it does seem like it's not the duplex it wasn't you know that place that was
0: haunted it was her. And these entities are following her. True. And also part of that development of the haunting was when she was in middle school, like when she was 13. Yeah. And that is, to me, I think it was like the hardest time of my life ever. And so I just assume yeah. that middle school is crazy hard for everybody. Yeah. You're easy target because you you're are. going through
1: so much. Yeah. And then to add like playing Bloody Mary on top of that and then opening some
0: portal <laughs> and you becoming... More spiritually inclined. Creepy ghost man watch you as you shower. Yeah. Which sounds like the top hat man. Hat man? The top hat man. The top hat
1: man. Oh, I'm declining. Bigfoot with alopecia and the top
0: hat man. New names. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, the shadow man wearing a top hat, which is hat man. (laughs) Apologies. Top hat man.
1: I kind of like that better. It's a lot more words to say, but... (laughs)
0: it's late
1: <laughs> aside from spirits following her the house that she lived in on the base in southern california was 100 haunted but it's interesting that she was the one experiencing most of the hauntings because she had a sister as well mm, you know true. so it does feel like she's always
0: been able and to see and experience the other side right although i will argue that her dogs also experienced that's the true other side. that's so true. she wasn't entirely alone because she had gizmo and Lufa, all the puppies and there was one before that what was the first oh megan i love that megan that's so cute (laughs) i have an email its title is can i eat fudge with a ghost so of course it caught my eye (laughs) of course this is very on brand (laughs) bonjour sabrina corinne leia and sven oh i forgot our ghost Sven, Sven, our ghost I've been a listener and a patron for about three months now and have successfully binge listened to all episodes and I'm now repeating episodes for any details that I may have missed. Oh my gosh. Wow. My name is Virginia, Jenny for short, and I have had a very gifted life of being able to follow my wanderlust wherever it takes me. However, for this specific story, we are in Camano Island, Washington. I'm the oldest of six siblings, though at the time my mother only had four children. I was about six or seven years old at the time of this story. We had moved from Deer Park, Washington, where my grandmother and grandfather lived and were raising us, to Camano Island, roughly around 300 miles away. We were moving in with my other set of grandparents in a very beautiful two story home right on the beach, overlooking Mount Rainier in Washington. Wow, that's nice. really nice. How come there are no pictures included in the yeah, scene? please share.
1: We just want pictures of your homes and your pets. <laughs> yeah, show
0: us inside of your house. <laughs> <laughs> Now the way the house layout is set up plays a part into the story. When you walk into the front door, it's a split level home. To the right there's a set of stairs that go up to the kitchen and living room, the master bedroom and the guest hallway bathroom. To the left of the stairs goes down and opens into a mid-sized living room where a sectional couch and a TV sat. To the left at the bottom of the stairs were two rooms and if you went right you would enter the garage and that was level with the front of the house. And to add to the horror, my grandmother had 12 chihuahuas. Oh. Which she would place in their kennels in the kitchen anytime she left the house to ensure that they didn't sneak out the front door. 12. Twelve oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, on this particular day, my mother was hanging out in the garage with her boyfriend while he worked on a vehicle. It was mid-September, which in Washington State gets rather cold, even by the ocean. My grandmother announced that she was leaving to run some errands for a while and she would be back before my grandfather got home, so I sat at the bottom of the stairs on the couch and read one of my favorite pastimes, Junie B. Jones. While I was completely enthralled in Junie B. Jones, I heard the dog's whimper from the bottom of the stairs. I thought nothing of it. I figured they probably just missed grandma or that they didn't want to be in their kennels. Uh So I went back to reading, flipping through the pages to see what Junie was doing in picture form. When I heard some boots walking on the hardwood floor across the kitchen, which was located directly above my head. I got Uh so excited. I figured grandpa was home and I knew that he would treat me to homemade fudge that my grandma made year round. So I got up and I slowly crawled up the set of 10 stairs to peek around the landing to see if I could see Papa from the landing. When I made it to the top step and craned my neck around the wall, I saw nothing. No sign of Papa, no sign of Grandma, and the dogs still being in their kennels indicated to me that Papa and Nana were still out. Weird, I thought, but I just walked back downstairs and plopped on the couch and I continued to read. As soon as my butt touched the couch, though, I heard boots pacing the kitchen floor once again. I thought to myself, I must have somehow just waited long enough, and Papa is here! But my brain was telling me, something's wrong. So instead of peeking my head around the stairs again, I decided I would pop out into the garage and ask my mother if I could go up and see Papa. She responded with, Papa's not home, sweetie. It's too cold out here. Go back inside and play. I tried to interject and tell her that I could hear his boots on the floor, and I knew that she was wrong, but she cut me off and quickly told me, Papa and his truck are still gone, baby girl. Go back inside. I'll have Papa come get you when he gets home. Flustered and feeling slighted because I could hear Papa's boots on the hardwood floor, I turned begrudgingly, and I went and sat back on the couch. But this time, my senses were all ringing alarms, and I had never experienced anything like this up until this point in my life. So instead of opening my book, I sat and I listened to the sounds of the house. Nothing. So I opened my book and I said silently to myself, you're being a baby. Everything's fine. (laughs) So I went to open my book, and the second I opened my book and hadn't even gotten a chance for my eyes to connect to a word, I heard the boots again. This time I was wary, but I was sure that my mother was wrong and just didn't see Papa return in his truck. So I got up and I ran from the couch to the stair landing yet again. I stopped in front of the door and I peered around into the kitchen and I could still hear the boots this time, but I could see almost the entirety of the kitchen and there was no one there I made a quick sweep of the upstairs. I didn't see Papa, but I could still hear the boots on the kitchen floor. And at this point, my brain connected that I was experiencing my first ghostly encounter. So I slowly backed away and turned sideways to keep an eye on the kitchen while maneuvering myself down the stairs back to the couch. At the bottom of the steps, I wanted to see if anything tried to come down after me. This image is burned into my memory the most, sitting and staring at the stairs, waiting for something to turn the corner and show me what it was that was making the dogs whimper and making sounds of walking through the kitchen. I eventually freaked myself out enough that I opened the garage door and I announced to my mom, I can hear someone walking upstairs, but Papa and Nana are still gone. She chalked it up to my childish mind, trying to find ways to get upstairs and sneak candy, fudge, or Disney Channel. So she told me to get back inside, it was far too cold outside for me. So yet again, I went and I sat on the couch and I just stared at the bottom of the stairs. Although the footsteps subsided, it didn't end there. For the next two days, nothing of significance happened in the house until two days later, my mom is doing the bedtime routine. We had to pick up our toys and change into pajamas. So I did as asked and was eventually in my bed falling asleep. But then around 3 a.m., we all woke to sounds coming from downstairs in the living room. It sounded like my Elmo phone. All 90s children know exactly what Elmo phone I'm talking about. I don't want to get out of bed because for some reason, something was telling me, stay where you are. So I didn't question it. I just stayed in my bed, door shut. About two minutes later, I heard my mother get out of her bed and she came out of her room and grabbed the phone. She was half asleep and she'd left the lights off. She struggled to find the switch and to turn it off. After fumbling for a few seconds, she found the switch. She slid it into the off position. It stopped making noises, and she threw it on the couch and went back to her room. About 20 minutes later, the phone starts making sounds again. So this time, my mom gets up rather annoyed, and she went right to where she'd thrown the toy and picked it up. She flicked on the light and saw that it was in the off position, but figured maybe it was just a technology glitch. So she flipped the switch a few times, and after about the fifth time of turning it on and off, it finally stopped. So she crawled back into bed and tried to fall asleep, and an hour passes. And I'd fallen back asleep, and I forgot about my Elmophone until it started going off again. So this time, my mother's boyfriend gets up out of bed, rather irritated, and turns the light on. He looks at the Elmophone, and it was in the on position. He flicked the switch, yet it kept playing. He looked at the back and it required a Phillips screwdriver to take the batteries out, so he walked out into the garage and found the Phillips and took out the batteries and roughly threw the phone into the couch. Just as he turned to walk back into the room, he flicked off the light switch and as the chain of events goes, the phone started going off as soon as the lights went dark. He turned around, he turned the light on, and the phone kept playing without batteries. This time, he decided to throw the toy, and when he threw it, it slid under his and my mother's bed. The toy stopped making sounds altogether yet again. So he flipped the light back off, he crawled into bed, and just as he laid down and got comfortable, the phone started going off again this time with no batteries, and it was located far underneath my mother's California king-sized bed frame, and this was the first time I remember feeling and experiencing a paranormal presence. We moved out of the house shortly after and have not been back in the home since. Now, as a 29-year-old, I have an abundance of paranormal stories, from visiting the McCraven house in Mississippi, to driving through Wyoming and seeing a man covered in blood wandering down the highway Whoa. at 3 a.m., to having random objects move, disappear, and reappear in different strange locations. I'll send another email with some of my crazy life adventures with ghosts, spirits, and some unexplained activity in future emails. But now, since I've started listening to y'all, I feel more open about discussing it. And have even brought up experiences to my parents, which now when we recount together, they admit they were paranormal (laughs) and there are no other explanations. Yes, They simply thought that I'd just forgotten about all of these incidents. I look a little closer and listen a little harder. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for not only opening my eyes wider, but also making others aware of the many fun, spooky things that many miss and many are too afraid to talk about. See you on the other side, Ginny. Okay, Ginny, when you send us your other email, please
1: send us a photo of your home. Yeah,
0: (laughs) if you have any. I mean, I realized it was a, a while ago.
1: Yeah, but I was imagining the same exact layout of my grandma's house because like you had to go to the kitchen to go to the downstairs stairs and just having to be for her to have to creep past this
0: entity whose footsteps she's hearing is so terrifying. I know. And how brave of her, too, to just sit on the couch and watch the bottom of the stairs, too. Like, obviously, there's nervousness to try to be prepared for if something shows itself and runs at you, which is scary in and of itself to think about happening, but even scarier to be posted up waiting for it to happen. Like, you're anticipating some creature just, like, to poke its head around violently and come at you. And she just wanted her fudge. She just wanted her fudge. I think this story is about fudge, really, (laughs) when we get down to it. Because I think if it were truly a horrifying, scary experience, wouldn't she go a little closer to her mom, hang out in the garage? But instead, she was just like, you know, there's a small chance this isn't a ghost, and I can get fudge. So I'm going to stay right here, just in case, I can actually get get some fudge. fudge. Oh, gosh. but then It's a love story for fudge. It's
1: interesting because it's like – So there's this paranormal occurrence of the footsteps, which is like almost imitating her grandfather. Or maybe it's not. And maybe it's another spirit that's just in the house and that used to wear work boots. I don't know. But then there's this entity that's playing with the toy and activating it even when there are no batteries. Which to me means either it's like something that's trying to get a message to them. Or it also sounds kind of childish. Or
0: is it related to the spirit that was walking around? It just... I have so many questions. It feels like a different spirit than the man who was walking in the boots, but it does kind of follow the same convention as him, where at first, when she was peeking her head around the corner, the sound would stop, but then eventually it kept going. And the same is true for the Elmo phone. When the lights were turned on, it would – or off, or whichever direction, it would shut off. But then, after some time, it would turn on again, and then eventually it was just on. Yeah. No batteries. Didn't matter who was – touching it or near it. It was just on. Maybe that's just like how the energy of this spirit flows. Mm. And does the spirit even know that they're there? You know, like is this someone who previously lived in this house long ago and they're just going about their normal life and maybe to them in the paranormal version of in their astral body and in, in their spirit form picking up, I'm, I'm almost picturing it as like a WandaVision lens. Like, mm. they're picking up the toy phone as a ghost. And so anyone who is there in, you know, 1983 or whatever the year was, saw an Elmo phone. But maybe for the spirit, they were seeing an old radio or, like, something that fit their timeline mm. and their world. With like, Elmo's what if it was,
1: face on it?
0: <laughs> but, like, without Elmo, you know? Like, yeah. it could be like if you looked at a TV and the TV suddenly turned to, like, a, a 1950s Television. Oh, whoa. And maybe that's why they kept touching it and manipulating it. Or they were to curious them it was something it. else that they could use. Or they were like, what is this? I
1: want to figure it out. And it was just kept playing with it. Yeah, what is this ungodly noise? <laughs> <laughs> I <don't know>. also <laughs> like to think of because the fact that toys can work and be energized or powered by spirits without batteries in it mm-hmm. is so Wild to me. It makes sense, though, because, like, the idea of spirits is their energy, right? So, like, I just like to think of the spirit shrinking itself to go into the battery pack in order to activate it. What if it was the spirit of Elmo himself? (gasps) Elmo (laughs) is here to talk to you. That would be terrifying. (laughs)
0: What if we found out that no Elmo toys actually ever had batteries or recordings in them and it was just always possessed by the spirit of Elmo? That's a lot of work for that Elmo. What'd you say? I kind of – that's a lot of work for the spirit of Elmo. Yeah, he could split off and just have many – or maybe kind of like black-eyed – maybe that's black-eyed kids. Maybe there's just a bunch of little Elmo worker bees out there. Oh, my gosh. Kind of like the idea.
1: I just hope that Elmo's paid for his time because that's a lot of work. He's paid
0: in fear. (laughs) Or maybe enjoyment because I think a lot of kids like those. Yeah. This is now like Monsters, Inc. I know. Tickle me Elmo. That was a hot toy in the 90s.
1: It was. It was. Everyone wanted one. Okay. I have a story to end us on. It is from Laura and it is called, What is my moral obligation to tell a stranger their house is haunted AF? (laughs) Hello, hostesses with the ghostesses. First off, let me say that I love your podcast. The friendship between you two gives me actual life, and I know how special that connection is between best friends, especially after mine broke my heart a couple of years ago and said she didn't want to be friends anymore. So mm-hmm. I love that I can live vicariously through you two.
0: You can be friends with us.
1: Yeah. We're all podcast friends. Best buds. Best buds. Anyways, I digress. I wanted to ask your opinions on what the moral obligation is for me to tell a stranger that I think their house is haunted as fuck. I'm not sensitive to the supernatural at all, which I am totally fine with. So for this to jump out at me, then you know it is five-sure-real. Let me give you a quick backstory. I work in a small animal hospital in San Diego, and we have some great clients, but also some super overly concerned owners that freak out when their pet blinks funny. This was majorly exasperated by the pandemic. I primarily work reception and in the pharmacy, so I speak with a vast majority of our clients on a regular basis. Since the pandemic, we've seen so many new pups and kittens, but also a lot of new clients with adult pets. While getting all of the clients' information in the system can take a while, sometimes the stories about their pets can be quite entertaining. But this story was beyond entertaining. It was downright spooky as hell. And I'm going to change all the names in this story for anonymity purposes. So I get a call the other night at like 5.57 p.m. I remember the time exactly because we close at 6 p.m. And I always bemoan when clients sneak in a phone call just before closing. I mean, how rude. LOL, JK. I recognize that this is my job, but it's still annoying. (laughs) So I'm entering this guy into our system, and he's super nice, funny, and confident. Why does this sound like I'm hitting on him? I don't know. I'm not. I swear. So I get all of his and his dog's information into our system, and I get to the question. So what's going on with Jack? The owner, let's call him John, responds, Well, I think my dog has night terrors, or maybe many seizures at night that cause him to act really strange. I was intrigued, naturally, because I had never heard someone claim that their dog had had night terrors before. John continues to say, I'm basically looking for a second opinion. My normal vet, whom I think is incredible, ran blood work and a slew of tests on Jack, but everything came back normal. When I explained what Jack's episodes entail, she prescribed Keppra to help prevent seizures to see if the episodes would subside. So Jack's been on Keppra for about a month now, and it's maybe helped a little bit, but it's hard to say. For instance, last night, I woke up to the sound of Jack pacing around the house, and it was 3 a.m. Cue the alarm bell go off in my head. John continues. So, like a good dog dad, I got up and thought maybe Jack needed to go out to go to the bathroom. But when I found him, he seemed really agitated. He was pacing back and forth, panting and shaking a bit. But I didn't think much of it because I had seen him do this before. So I took him to the bathroom, but he had zero interest in going. I waited for a few minutes to see if he would change his mind, but ultimately I decided just to bring him inside and go back to bed. But as I approached the house, Jack put on the brakes and would not budge. He looked like he was terrified to go back inside the house. And cue the full body chills for Corinne and Sabrina. Anyways, I got him scheduled and after I hung up the phone, I looked down at my pad of post-it notes that I scribble on and saw that I had written in all caps, completely absent-mindedly, listen to your pets. Oh! I turned to my coworker, who is also a massive fan of your show, shout out to me. showed her the note and said, dude, remind me to tell you this after work because holy shit. Now I'm not sure what to do. I don't know this guy at all and I'm but a lowly receptionist, but like, I would want to know if my house was haunted. What's my oral obligation here? I'll keep you gals posted to see if my doctors can find anything wrong with the dog But my gut instinct says, there's nothing wrong with your dog, but your house is haunted as fuck and you should probably move. Hope you enjoyed that story. I would be absolutely honored if you read it on the podcast. It's hopefully the only story I'll ever have to contribute to the show. Me quickly looks around and tells the ghosts in her apartment that they're welcome but would not like to be scared. Please and thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Stay spooky and keep up the great work. See you on the other side. Laura, P.S. My three animal children say hi and want to tell you that they love the podcast and send love to you and your fur babies.
0: Oh, wait. One of them looks like the pastas. (laughs) Oh, the little kitty. Oh, my gosh. These dogs. Number one. Beautiful photos. Number two, these animals are models. They're, they're all posed so cute. Beautifully. They have like they're looking directly at the camera. Wow. They're like,
1: we would tell you
0: the place is haunted. That's so interesting though, that the pet owner thought that there were like night terrors essentially of this dog, but really he mm-hmm. was waking up during the witching hour and pacing due to nervousness of all the spirits that were in the home. Yeah. It sounds like this
1: guy, John, is on the right track. And not quite ready to admit it's haunted. Because Night Terrors is kind of on par with that already. And the fact that he wants a second opinion. Like, it almost feels like he needs and wants someone to say, "Right, I think your dog is seeing a
0: spirit. Because if anything, I feel like Night Terrors, right, that's, like, not the first thing that would come to mind. Like, I think if I was not thinking on the paranormal route at all, I would have just been like, oh, there must be some nocturnal animal. There must be, like, a raccoon that lives in my walls yeah. or something that – agitates Jack when it's like out and about.
1: Yeah. For John to take Jack out to the bathroom and then Jack refused to go back in the house and was terrified, there's something in there that's triggering
0: the poor dog. And it's also not like Jack is sleeping there and having a little puppy dream where he's like whining and complaining. Or his like legs are shaking, yeah. Right. He's up. He's pacing. Yeah. He's awake. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Trust your pets, man. Trust your Trust pets. your pets.
1: Laura, if you do end up suggesting that maybe there's a ghost, let us know what happens. I know. I'm so I'm,
0: curious. Ah, Wow. this email wasn't sent that long ago, so I Laura, know we need, we updates. need Live
1: updates. We need everything. We need to know everything. Just
0: loop us into the calls. Mean girls us into the phone calls. Or how about this? Say nothing, but tell him to listen to this episode of the podcast. (laughs) And then it's kind of like this awkward way of telling him that his house is haunted. Yeah, there you go. Do you not like confrontation? Just send us your story. We'll read it aloud and you can tell people to listen to that episode. (laughs) And send us
1: their email and we will send them the clip of the podcast. (laughs) And then they'll think it's spam and delete it, but maybe someone will listen to it.
0: Oh, man. So spooky. Well, this had everything. This had pets. This had haunted homes and demons and all the best stuff. Spirits galore. So if you have any spirits in your
1: life, or if you have many, if you are spirited galore, please send us your experiences. Send them to two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We want everything.
0: We highly encourage it. So please do send it. You can also support us by following us on social media. You can rate and review. You can subscribe. You can tell other people about us. You can join Patreon. We also have new merch. It says Bigfoot is my boyfriend. So, yeah,
1: we do. Please wear it, buy it, and wear it. Thank you so much to our editor, Aiden Manning from Upfire Digital. We are so grateful for your editing expertise because, I mean, we'd honestly be very lost without you. And
0: we will see you on the other side. There's.